in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. That's Psalm 2-7. So Paul's saying, you know what, Psalm 2-7, it was clouded in mystery, but I'm telling you that that was a prophecy of the Messiah fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen? Welcome to Grace and Truth Radio. I'm Barbara Hannum. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 13, verse 23, and join Pastor Dan McGee for the second part of a message titled, The Glorious Gospel. It's all about Jesus. Because now Paul is going to transition to a second major idea here in his sermon. We saw the first one was what? Our God is sovereign. He's a sovereign God fulfilling his plan through history. But as we pick it up now in verse 23 of the message, he's going to now give us another major idea. Here it is, number two. He's going to say, essentially, that our Savior is great. We have a great Savior, and we see this in the fulfillment of prophecy. Our great Savior, it's seen in the fulfillment of prophecy. Now look at verse 23 of Paul's sermon. He says now, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior. Well, again, who's, who man, which man's offspring? The son, David, the the son of Jesse, a man after God's own heart. That's what verse 23 is referring back to the end of verse 22 there. So, of this man's offspring, so of David's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now, notice the words, as he promised. As he promised. So when Paul says, look at me, when Paul says to, the, to these people now in this synagogue this day, when he says, through David, the son of Jesse, has come the Savior, has come Jesus as he promised. What would Paul then be referring back to? The promises where? That's exactly, I heard that in the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet. It was actually being fulfilled. So now what Paul is doing is he is drawing these people in this synagogue this day to remember the prophets from the Old Testament. He says, remember as he promised. Look at verse 24. Let's continue. He says, before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. So there were some promises, right, that were given in the Old Testament. I wrote down just a few of them. You might want to write these down real quick. I'm going to give them to you fast, okay? Here's a couple of examples that Paul would have been referring to, Genesis 3.15. There is where we learn that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head, the proto-evangelium, the beginning, the inkling of God's plan of redemption, the seed of the woman, that would be who? That would be Jesus bruising the serpent's head. Isaiah 7, 14. I believe the virgin born there, God with us. I believe that that's a part of God's giving us revelation early on of his plan of redemption. Isaiah 9, 6, where Jesus would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Micah 5, 2. We're told that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah would be born. Micah 5, 2, it's exactly where Jesus was born. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, 
We learn that the Messiah would be a descendant of Abraham. And of course, that's exactly how it happened. 2 Samuel chapter 7. In that chapter, we find that the Messiah would be a descendant of Jacob. In Psalm 41 verse 9, we find there the the prophecy of the prediction there of Judas' betrayal. Zechariah 11.12, there was a prediction there of the exact amount of money that Judas would receive for the betrayal of Jesus Christ. But notice now specifically, Paul mentions, as we already saw in verse 25 there, He says there, notice, as John was finishing his course, actually verse 24, pick it up there, it says, before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me is coming the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Now Paul is referring to a character that was found in the Gospels, he was found in the Gospels, named John the Baptist. And and I think that there was a prophecy about John the Baptist in the Old Testament that was fulfilled specifically in the life of John. I'm going to give you two passages. We're going to look at these together. Um, Go ahead and throw those on the screen for me, would you? Isaiah chapter 40, and then we're going to look at John chapter 1. But let's go back to Isaiah 40 together for a moment, okay? So flip backward in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to see what Paul would be referring to here when he refers back to a promise about John the Baptist, and we'll see the fulfillment in a moment. But in Isaiah 40, I believe that this is a prophecy that is fulfilled in John the Baptist. Isaiah 40, look with me at verse 3. Notice it says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, remember those words and flip now to the New Testament with me to that passage there in John chapter 1. Now, look at John chapter 1. Notice verse 19. It says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, by the way, this is John the Baptist here, okay? So the priests and the Levites, they send uh, from Jerusalem, they ask him this at the end of verse 19. They say, who are you? Well, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Well, are you a prophet? And he answered, Actually, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, here it is, listen to verse 23. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So now, let's go back to Acts 13. I wanted you to see that. The prophecy was made in Isaiah. 
John the Baptist, when he's asked, who are you, says, I'm not the Messiah. I am the one who was prophesied by Isaiah. And now here's the apostle Paul standing in this synagogue, preaching to these people, and he reminds them of who John the Baptist was. And John says there, as he reminds them, in verse 25, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me is coming the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Do you see what's happening here? Paul, as he continues this message, he is basically teaching about the greatness of the Savior and how that he is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. It's a beautiful thing. And as he continues now, you're going to see that Paul is going to answer essentially two questions. Now, now look, these two questions do not come up specifically in the text, but I think we, we can deduce by what Paul says that he was seeking to answer two questions that he knew would have been on the minds of his hearers that day. I want you, I want you to see if you can recognize these two questions. Here's number one. He was trying to answer this question. Because he knew that his hearers would have been thinking this. They would have been thinking to themselves, if Jesus is the Messiah, then why did the Jewish leaders reject him? And then he was seeking to answer this question, I believe, secondly, and that is that if the Messiah was rejected, does this nullify the plan of God? Okay? Those are logical questions, aren't they? I mean, if, you're, if you are aware of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, you would have been thinking, okay, well, if, if he was killed and he was rejected, doesn't this nullify God's plan? And, and if he was the Messiah, why is it that the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes rejected him? After all, they were the ones who knew the Old Testament better than anybody, right? They would have been looking for him. So you're saying that he was the one. Well, why did they reject him? Okay, so let's see. How does Paul respond to this? Notice with me, if you would, let's pick it up. In verse 26, he says, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God. By the way, those among you who fear God would have been referring to the Gentiles that were there that day. So he's speaking now to the Jews and to the Gentiles that would have been among them. And he says there, he says, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. You realize what he's saying? Literally, he's like, your leaders... Even though they're reading and studying the scriptures, they didn't even recognize that in condemning Jesus, they were fulfilling the prophecies about the Messiah. And then he says, notice, he says in verse 28, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Amen? Amen? Can I get an amen from some of you on that? God raised him from the dead, church. Okay, can you imagine him saying that that day in that synagogue? He's like, your leaders didn't know that they had just killed the Messiah. But yet God raised him from the dead. I love that. It's so powerful. It's so good. But notice he goes on and he says, 
He says in verse 31, And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. So in other words, all of these lives have been transformed by Jesus. And then verse 32, And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, and this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. That's Psalm 2-7. So Paul's saying, you know what, Psalm 2-7, it was clouded in mystery, but I'm telling you that that was a prophecy of the Messiah fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? That's the good news. That's the good news right there. He goes on. Look at verse 34. He says, and as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. Here is another prophecy. Isaiah 55 verse 3. He quotes it. He says, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And then verse 35. Therefore he says also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption, Psalm 16, verse 10. So what is Paul doing? He's taking these Jewish people and he's bringing them back to the prophets again and again and again. And he's like, it was prophesied and fulfilled in Jesus. This was said, this is what happened. Here he is, your Messiah, believe. And that call is going to come here in just a moment. What a sermon this is. What a sermon. Look at verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers, and he saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. In other words, he is alive. He overcame the power of sin and death. And that moves now into the third part and the final part of, of Paul's message this day in this synagogue. And here it is. Here's the third overarching idea that Paul is going to give to these people and that is this he's going to say that Jesus is our amazing savior the one who justifies sinners our amazing savior so he has saw, he has shown them about the sovereign god who is fulfilling his plan through history He's taught them of our great Savior who is actually the fulfillment of all of these prophecies. And then as he concludes now, he's going to say that Jesus is amazing, the amazing Savior, the one who justifies sinners, the one who declares sinners righteous. Look at verse 38 as we bring the message to a conclusion. It says, let it be known. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. Isn't that a good word right there, church? Amen? Amen. Amen. Freed from sin. That's the gospel right there, brothers and sisters. And then he goes on and he says in verse 39, from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You see, this is, this is the big challenge that people have today is that all of us think that we can work our way to heaven. We think we can fulfill certain duties and we can do certain things. That's called living under the law. And Jesus came to eradicate and fulfill the law. And he did. He actually fulfilled it in perfection. And then he nailed it to the cross. And now we live in the age of grace. Amen? We come to Jesus and we ask for forgiveness of sins and he forgives us, he justifies us, he declares us righteous, he adopts us into his family, he gives us all the rights and the privileges of an adult son. 
He brings us before him and he clothes us in robes of righteousness that are not ours, they're actually his. He, he purchased these robes for us with his own blood. And we are given freedom from sin. That's what it says. That's what the text says. That's what it says in verse 38. Freed from everything. Freed from sin. Amen? That's what it says. I love that. It's not through law. The law was a schoolmaster that was designed to just bring people to the end of themselves and realize, I can't earn forgiveness. I I can't be good enough on my own. I need a Savior. And that's where Jesus, he comes in and he says, I'll be your Savior. I died for you. I shed my blood for you. Verse 39, look at it. It says, again, which could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, verse 40, here's a warning. Beware. Therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Now he quotes here Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 5, and he says, Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. So in other words, he's, he, he shares all of this history. He appeals to them as brothers, fellow Jewish brothers, and he's like, God chose our fathers. And through our fathers came the Messiah, and our fathers and you crucified him. You put him on a cross, and all of this was the fulfillment of the prophecy about the Messiah. But now he appeals to them to believe in Jesus as the, as the Messiah and to repent of their sin and to accept the free gift of salvation. Why? Because Jesus overcame the power of sin and death. He's alive and he's willing to free from sin. Amen? But now Paul's like, but, but let me give you a warning. I've just spoken to you the gospel, Paul is saying to these people. I've given you the truth. And don't let it be said of you that you walk out of here and become a scoffer just like the prophet Habakkuk said would happen. A scoffer who rejects the truth. Look at it, verse 41. Look, you scoffers, this is what was prophesied. Be astounded and perish. Why? Because I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. And what is the work? The work was the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the gospel. And Paul's like, believe it. Don't reject it. Believe it. And I would say to you this morning, if you're here and you don't know Christ, Paul, once again, through the word of God, in the book of Acts, is speaking to you right now just as if you were in that Jewish synagogue that day in Pisidian Antioch millennia ago. And he is saying to you, believe in Jesus. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Repent of your sin. Trust Christ. Well, I love how the people responded. Look at verse 42. It says, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And so, the next Sabbath, verse 44, there's going to be some controversy. Why is it? Because it seems whenever the truth is heralded by a faithful messenger of the gospel, it brings forth controversy. Amen? Amen. 
Here it is. The next Sabbath, verse 44, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And all of us in here as Gentiles say to that, Amen. Amen. Now, we don't say amen that these Jews rejected the gospel. We say thank the Lord that Paul brought the gospel to us. And so, notice verse 48, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Did you get that? Listen, did you catch that? And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Don't miss that. And so it says there in verse 49, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. And the leading men of the city, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they drove them out of their district. And so how do Paul and Barnabas respond in verse 51? But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So yes, opposition comes. It seems like it's inevitable whenever the gospel is preached that some will believe. Do you see this pattern here? It's some believe, right? But some what? Some reject. That's just the way it is. It's always been that way. It'll not be any different in your life. As you share the gospel, some will believe right? As those who were appointed for eternal life, some will believe. Amen? That gives us great confidence as we share the gospel. We know that God has appointed some for eternal life. So when we share the gospel, some will believe, but, but some will reject. Some will. And what did Paul do as the persecution came? What did Barnabas do? They they actually did what Jesus told them to do. As I close, I want to just put one more verse of Scripture on the screen for you, and I'd ask you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 10. Would you turn there? Luke chapter 10. Because the Scripture says that the believers were rejoicing, and that's how it always is when the gospel comes into a person's life. When they repent and believe in Jesus, it brings about rejoicing. Amen, church? Amen? But now we see the fulfillment of Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 10. This is Jesus speaking here. That's why your Bible may have the words in red. These are the words of Christ. He says, But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will, be, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Ultimately, as we close, you have a responsibility, and that is to believe the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is your responsibility, dear friend. The gospel message is for you this morning. 
If you don't know Christ, will you receive the Lord? He graciously makes an appeal to you through his word. Believe in me, he says, and you will be saved. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, what church? Shall be saved. Those are some great promises. Okay? As believers, we should walk out of here fired up. Thanks for joining us today on Grace and Truth Radio. I'm so glad that you've been with us. If you're looking for a church, I'd like to invite you to join us. Harvest is a growing, dynamic, multicultural church that welcomes people from all backgrounds, all cultures, and all walks of life. We are passionate Christ followers, and if that resonates with you, come check us out. You can get a copy of this series of messages if you go to our website, graceandtruthradio.com. Or you can call us at one 64 truth And of course, Grace and Truth Radio is sponsored by Harvest Bible Church and listeners like you. Check out our website at harvestdetroitwest.org. I hope you'll come to visit us this Sunday at one of our three service times, 8.30 a.m., 10 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. Harvest is located on Newburgh Road, just north of Ford Road. We hope to see you there. We want to live, we want to live.